Welcome to the Taxol Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Denman. I'm a tax sell veteran. I am the leading tax sell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sell Playbook, founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I'm your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. As a reminder, we bring you this podcast completely free because of the Tax Sell Academy. If you're looking to learn more about investing in tax for real estate, just head on over to TaxSellAcademy.com. On today's episode, I want to briefly discuss three of my all-time favorite tax sale deals. Now, I'm always asked about some deals that I've done. I've got many, many examples. The problem is most of them are pretty boring. I bought the property. I sold the property. I moved on to the next property, right? Not much of a story. So I want to discuss three that really kind of stand out in my memory. So I'll be going over each one of these, and I might not be able to include every single detail, but perhaps you can use my examples to help your own business. Now, it's also worth noting that these are certainly not the most profitable deals I've ever done. In fact, any of the numbers that I provide aren't really that impressive, but are included just for context. Also note, these are not typical in any way, any shape, or any form. All right. The very first one that I want to discuss is the one cent deal. Now, I shot a video on YouTube about this many years ago, but I literally purchased a property for one cent. The one cent property was in an area, an estate that holds two different rounds of auctions, right? The first auctions will begin at the minimum bid, which is the back due taxes, interest, and fees. And depending on the tax rates, this can be a considerable amount, especially in economically challenged areas where the tax assessed value have not yet caught up to the actuality of what's happening in that specific area. So if the property fails to sell at the first auction, it will then go to a second round, a second round of auctions. Okay. This is a no reserve auction. The minimum bid is usually going to be set at the discretion of the county. And commonly it's $500 or $100. But for this particular property, the treasurer decided not to set any sort of opening bid at all. The bids for every single property started at one cent. The property that I am talking about was a small commercial building. It was ugly. It needed loads of work, but I did my due diligence and I figured that I'd bid on it, just kind of see what happened. Now, this was a hybrid type auction format where you have both online bidding and in-person bidding. What usually happens is you have somebody from the auction staff that will sit there and man the computer. If I bid online, somebody in the room could then bid against me and he would press the button, right? If somebody bid online, he would announce that to the rest of the room. That's kind of how the hybrid process works. Now, for this specific auction, I was an online bidder. So what happened? They announced the property. They said, okay, we're opening it up for bids. And then the bid button became available, right? I could finally press that button. And remember, it had an opening bid of one cent. So as soon as it opened up, I pressed that button. A few seconds later, nobody else did anything. Nobody else pressed the button, nobody in the room bid, nothing. The screen flashed once, going once, it flashed it again, going twice, and the third time it turned red and it said, sold, and it had my name. Initially, I thought that there was a glitch. Maybe the computer showed sold, but the high bid hadn't updated or something, but it showed my name. Then I checked my email. And I realized I received an automated email that says, congratulations, you won this property. 
And then I began to panic a little bit, wondering if I made some sort of horrible mistake, like what on earth did I just buy that nobody else wanted for one cent? So I researched everything and everything was exactly as it should have been. In the end, I actually ended up paying one cent for that property plus a $20 deed processing fee. So I resold that property very, very quickly and I moved on to the next property. Again, very, very rare. The only time in my career that's almost 20 years now that I've ever seen a property sell for that cheap and I happen to be the lucky bidder for whatever reason, nobody placed a bid against me, got the property, got in, got out and moved on from that investment. Fantastic deal on my end and again, very, very rare. It's almost never heard of to purchase property for so cheap. All right, next transaction was interesting on another level. So in some areas, you'll come across dozens or even hundreds of properties in the same exact subdivision. And there are many reasons for this, but a common one is that the subdivision has very high association fees. And these association fees, of course, pay for amenities and stuff like that, but usually pay them monthly. And these fees are often attached to vacant lots with absentee owners who have no desire or ability to even use the amenities that they're paying for. This usually leads to fairly cheap properties that aren't always that desirable because of the dues attached to them. And this was the exact situation at one auction. There were a number of properties in one subdivision that were being sold with extremely low opening bids. But when I did a little bit of research, I realized that there were tons of these properties available on the open market that were only selling between $800 to $2,000, right? It's $800 to $2,000 for a vacant lot. And there were hundreds of them. You could have your selection of any one that you wanted. I quickly realized this is a massive, massive subdivision with huge supply and pretty low demand. Regardless, I knew if I could pick up a few lots at the opening bid of $120 or so, I could potentially undercut everybody else and resell them for five dollars to $600 and make a few quick bucks. Now, the association fees weren't crazy high in most scenarios, but they were 50 bucks a month, which when you compare that to my targeted selling price of just $500 meant I'd be losing 10% of my investment every single month that I held onto that property. So there wasn't much margin unless you purchased really, really cheap and your holding period was really, really short, like really short. So I bought many of these lots, but in particular, I paid $126 for one of those lots. Now that's not the interesting part here. I turned right around and sold it the very next week on eBay for $611. I was paid, I recorded the deed, I received a thank you email from the gentleman that purchased it, and I was told that the buyer actually had plans to build on it, which I thought was a little bit interesting. At that point, I thought the transaction was complete. Made four or 500 bucks, didn't really do all that well, but you know, I had had multiple properties just like this that I was selling within those weeks, so that auction was very successful for me. Now, nine months later, after I sold that gentleman this piece of property, this particular lot, I received an email from him. He said, listen, my plans had changed and I no longer have a use for that property. He then told me that he did not want the hassle of trying to sell it himself, nor did he want the continued HOA fees, which seemed to be the most pressing issue for him. Long story short, he asked me if he could just give that property back to me. That's right. 
He wanted to just give it back to me. He didn't have to worry about selling it or listing it. He knew there were lots and lots of properties available there. And most importantly, he wanted to stop that $50 per month bill. So I double checked that the HOA dues and the tax and everything else were up to date. Did a little bit of research to make sure nothing had changed on that property, prepared a deed, he signed it, had it notarized, sent it back to me and it was all recorded. So what happened? He gave that property back to me. He got rid of that property and he got rid of those pesky HOA dues. Of course, I still needed to sell that property quickly again, which I did. And the second time I actually got slightly more, $697.50. So I sold the property twice, the same exact property I sold twice. Within 10 months of purchasing it, I ended up making a pretty good ROI on that piece of property and had a heck of a story to tell a lot of people. And the last deal is one that I was actually think is one of the most interesting purchases I've ever made. So throughout the year, I've been involved in many, many faucets of real estate, including home building, land development, and quite a few other things. So while reviewing a tax list, one property in particular really caught my attention. The listing was for a subdivision. That's right, an entire subdivision. Actually, let me rephrase that just a little bit. There was a four-phase subdivision. The first phase had some pretty nice townhomes that had already been built on it, subdivided, and sold off. And that was not included in the sale. Phase two and phase three were fully developed streets that were paved, curbs, gutters, sidewalks, retention ponds, all that good stuff. And then you had the fourth phase, which was cleared with the roads cut, but they had not yet been asphalted. Now, if you've ever been involved in any type of development project like this, you know the time, the expense, and the effort that it takes to develop real estate. Ideas, plans, platting, county approval, revisions, bids, service, and all that for a speck of dirt is even moved. Then the actual work begins, and projects can be very, very expensive to do. And this one caught my eye. For one reason or another, the developer was able to get through most of the project before he fell behind on those taxes. And assumingly something else along the way happened in his financial life that probably had an impact on this development. So the property got foreclosed on and here it was at the auction. The problem was is it still needed a few things done in order to make the lots sellable individually. So you had this final phase that needed to be physically developed and you had phases two and phases three which were physically developed but it was still one weird shaped parcel that had roads cutting through it. So you had to go through there and actually get everything platted and get everything approved, the final approvals and file it, all that good stuff with the county. So it was done. He invested a lot of money. It was already approved. It's just a matter of actually filing the final plat map and that kind of stuff. Truth be told, it was actually a very, very intimidating piece of property for most investors. It's not cut out for most people to purchase. And I knew that it likely wouldn't get too many bids, and, and I was correct. I was able to purchase that entire subject in phase two, phase three, and phase four for just a few thousand dollars. The fact was, though, that that subdivision, the way that I purchased it, it was completely useless. You could not legally do anything with it. You could not build on that subdivision section, that section of land that I bought. You couldn't do anything else until you finalize that development process through the county. So after I purchased it, I had a decision to make. Do I finish this development myself or do I find another developer to do it? 
Now, since it was many states away from me, I actually made the smart decision, in my opinion, to sell it to another developer who knew about that subdivision, but not of the fact that it had actually gone through tax foreclosure. So in the end, I made quite a bit of money off that property, and he made plans to finish it. So that's the story of that one time where I purchased an entire subdivision at a tax sale. So I really hope that you've enjoyed these three tax sale stories that kind of stick out in my mind. This was a little bit of a different, different episode, but I hope you've enjoyed the stories behind these three particular deals. These are ones that kind of stuck in my head over many, many years now investing in tax defaulted real estate. This is a tremendous amount of opportunity in this business through both tax deeds and tax liens. And as mentioned early in this podcast, these are not typical examples in any way, shape, or form. But I highly suggest that you do do your own research, that you do learn what you're doing before you get started. And I promise you, the more you go to auctions, the more properties you invest in, the more familiar you get with this business, the more experience you gain, you will come across opportunities like this nonstop. You have to be in the right place the right time. And a lot of that comes with setting yourself up for that success and for the ability to take advantage of those opportunities by learning what you're doing. So again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy, please do me a favor and leave some positive feedback on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on right now. And as always, if you are looking to learn more about this incredible business, just head on over to taxcellacademy.com. Once you're there, you grab a free copy of my book, Tax Sell Playbook. Just cover the nominal shipping costs, like less than five bucks or so. Or you can join the Academy for the most comprehensive step-by-step training that we offer, which includes our entire training systems if you get our platinum package. Again, the site is taxcellacademy.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Tax Sell Podcast. Make it a successful day. See ya.